Hello, this is Sandra Hindman, founder and president of Les Enlumineurs. We specialize in manuscripts, miniatures, historic jewelry, and other small-scale works of art from the Middle Ages and the Renaissance. Welcome, and please enjoy today's podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the first week of November. As the new month began, I of course found myself thinking about the changing seasons and prepared to talk with you today about books of hours and time. However, as I started preparing for this chat, I found myself more and more interested in the relationship between time and object biographies. So instead, today I'll present the biography of a special book of hours in our collection, the book of hours by the workshop of the master of the entry of Francis I. Next week, we will discuss time, seasons, and maybe even dip our toes into the zodiac and manuscripts, although, of course, that topic could take quite a few episodes to unpack. Some of you may have even heard of this term, object biography, but here is a quick refresher. An object biography is an egalitarian look at everything that has happened to an object from its conception, meaning its original manufacture, to its present state, or even, if that object no longer exists, to its material death. This is a method used by historians, sociologists, archaeologists, art historians, and others to get a sense of the total life impression of an object. The methodology developed out of the material turn, and specifically from the work of scholars like Igor Kapitov and Arjun Apadurai. Apadurai edited a book called The Social Life of Things, Commodities in Cultural Perspective in 1986. In this book, Igor Kapitov wrote that the influential essay, The Cultural Biography of Things, Apadurai and Kapitov think about things as being perpetually in motion, moving through the world and through different spheres of value, both economic and cultural. Kapitov states in his essay, quote, In doing the biography of a thing, one would ask questions similar to those one asks about people. What, sociologically, are the biographical possibilities inherent in an object's status and in the period and culture, and how are these possibilities realized? Where does the thing come from and who made it? What has been its career so far, and what do people consider to be an ideal career for such things? Where are the recognized ages or periods of this thing's life, and what are the cultural markers for them? How does the thing's use change with its age, and what happens to it when it reaches the end of its usefulness?" End quote. Why go to all this trouble to track the so-called life of things? Kapitov argues that cultural biographies of things, quote, make salient what might otherwise remain obscure, end quote, about the culture in which things take part. From an object's biography, we can perceive a long but specific slice of time and material significance within a particular culture. I'll now paint a picture of the biography, The Social Life of the Book of Hours by the workshop of the Master of the Entry of Francis I. 
This biography will summarize all of the available documentation for this wonderful book, but of course, there's also always so much more to be uncovered. At Les Lumières, you might encounter a small book bound in red Morocco, nestled on a brass bookstand behind a vitrine, or, if you're lucky, resting closed on a soft velvet pillow, waiting for you to interact with it and add to the manuscript's life story. This is an illuminated manuscript, a handwritten and painted book containing personal prayers collectively known as a Book of Hours. The manuscript was originally made entirely on parchment folios, or pages. It is now missing the first and last leaves of parchment and their accompanying text. It contains modern foliation, written in brown ink in the cursive bookhand known as Letter Batard, the word bastard here indicating the script's mixed parentage of formal black letter and casual cursive script. Although the script is not truly cursive, there are several pen lifts within and between the letters, it has kind of loose freedom in its form. The pages are characterized by 18 lines of ruled text. It's ruled in red ink, and throughout the manuscript there are 13 3 to 6 line blue initials with white highlights, infilled with daisies, roses, thistles, pimpernels, as well as eight outer margins decorated with flowers, fruit, and acanthus leaves. In the margins, there can also be found vertical catchwords, meaning a word that anticipates the first word on the following page. There are also five small miniatures and five full-page miniatures in architectural frames, which I will describe in detail shortly. Small smudges can be seen in a few of the margins, but the manuscript in general is otherwise in excellent condition and clearly was treated as a precious object throughout its life. Bound in the 18th century for Charles de Bashi, Marquis de Aube, in red Morocco, the spine with five raised bands, gold-tooled with fillets, fleurons, and crowns, the gold-tooled covers with double fillets and corner fleurons are stamped with the arms of de Bashi. This binding was restored in the 19th or early 20th century with a box covered with marbled paper. The overall dimensions of the manuscript are 143 by 84 millimeters, or about 5.6 by 3.3 inches, the perfect size for a book of hours as it neatly settles into any person's palm. The text contained in the manuscript is typical of a book of hours. It begins with a calendar on folio 1 to 12 verso, then on folio 13 to 17 verso there are gospel lessons. The first leaf is missing, containing the beginning of the text, and undoubtedly an eight-line miniature of St. John would have originally been included in the incipit. This is followed by the well-known prayer obsecrote, with masculine forms that suggest the original owner or commissioner was a man. Then we have the O Intermerata, the prayer Saluto Te Beatissima Virgo Maria, the Passion according to St. John, followed by the prayer Deus qui manas tuas et pedes tuos, a prayer to Christ, the Marian prayer Stabat Mater, followed by the prayer Interveniat Pro Nobis. 
Then we have a pause, a break in the text, as folio 43 verso is blank. We pick back up on folio 44 with the Hours of the Virgin proper, the namesake of the Book of Hours, followed by other Marian prayers. Then on folios 100 to 107, the manuscript contains the Marian hymn, Salve Sancta Parens, followed by the prayer, Concede Nos Famulos Tuos, a reading from the Book of Wisdom, known as Lectio Libri Sapientiae, a reading from the Gospel of Luke, and more Marian prayers. In another text break, we have a clean sheet of parchment on folio 107 verso. Then, the short hours of the cross, another blank on folio 111 verso, followed by the short hours of the Holy Spirit. With a blank punctuation page on folio 115 V, the manuscript then features the penitential psalms and litanies, followed by a final blank punctuation page on folio 136 verso. Then, excitingly, we have on folio 137 to 179, the Office of the Dead. Unusually, this variant of the Office of the Dead has only eight instead of nine lessons. You can listen to episode 29 of this podcast for more information about the logistics and layout of the Office of the Dead. Then, we have a few miscellaneous prayers and suffrages to the saints at the end of the manuscript following the Office of the Dead. The prayer, O Bon Jesu, O Dulcissime Jesu, follows the Office of the Dead. Then there are seven verses of St. Bernard with a rubric in French, followed by the seven prayers of St. Gregory, which is preceded by a long rubric in French explaining an indulgence that is attached to the image. Next, we have the suffrages to the Trinity, the Holy Sacrament, the Holy Face, Michael, John the Baptist, John the Evangelist, Peter and Paul, James, all the Apostles, St. Laurent, Christopher, Sebastian, Dennis, several martyrs, Nicholas, Claude, Antonin, Anne, Magdalene, Catherine, Margaret, Barbara, and Apollonia, followed by the prayer, Omnipotens Sempterne Deus. Curiously, on folio 187 verso, the catchword salve was inscribed as an error, although the following choir begins with the prayer to the holy face, that begins Deus qui nobis, on folio 99 verso. The catchword preceding the hymn was omitted. Nevertheless, the leaves were bound in correct order, suggesting that the binder had some awareness of the text. Then, after this, there is the Marian prayer, Mrs. Est, preceded by the rubric in French, instructing that this prayer should be said on Saturdays. And finally, the manuscript ends with the seven joys of the Virgin, on folios 209 verso to 210 verso, with a ruled but blank choir following this on folios 211 to 214 verso. Aside from the text, there is also illumination. So the illustration and painting in this manuscript is very worthy of our attention. There are five full page miniatures with Renaissance architectural borders. The opening words of the text are inscribed on a scroll placed between the seam and the frame in each of these images. 
The first of these full-page illuminations is found on folio 44. This is the Annunciation to the Virgin. In each corner of the architectural border, there is a charming puto playing with a vine drawn in red penwork. The conservative motif of the central column separating the protagonists in the miniature goes all the way back to the Belle Heure du Duc de Berry, painted at the beginning of the 15th century by the Limburg brothers. Then, the next image we have is on folio 108. It is the crucifixion with Mary and John. John is clothed in red, green, and gray violet, sharing the palette used for Gabriel that we've just seen in the Annunciation. Next, on folio 112, we have the Pentecost. This scene takes place inside of a church. The Virgin is placed centrally and close to the picture plane. The apostles fix their eyes on the dove of the Holy Spirit, while Mary gazes pensively outward. The artist has individualized the faces of the youthful John at her left and Peter and Paul at the right of Mary. This is followed by folio 116 with a full page illumination of David and Bathsheba. David leans from a window in his castle in the foreground and points at Bathsheba seated in the distance next to a fountain under a cherry tree in the garden. She raises her dress and dips her leg into the water. The outline of a few noble houses and mountain peaks rise in the misty background. And finally, we have the last full-page illumination on folio 137, which is of Job on the dunghill. A charming group of houses enlivens the landscape in the background and contrasts with the large cracks in the wall of Job's house. I'm particularly charmed by the hatched hay of the dung heap on which Job sits. There are also five smaller miniatures. First, on folio 18, we have a virgin and child, taking up the space of about eight lines, framed in a golden rectangle. The virgin is standing in a landscape and holding the Christ child in her arms. Then there is folio 21 verso with a pieta, also of about eight lines. The Virgin is supporting Christ's body, depicted against blue and green hues of a suggested smoky landscape with golden sparkles of stars dotting the sky. There is also folio 27, the betrayal of Christ, another eight line illumination. This miniature is coloristically centered on Judas, who is depicted in the foreground in the vibrant colors of a traitor, green robe and iridescent yellow cape fluttering. This image captures in one frozen moment a sequence of events, the kiss of Judas, the arrest of Christ by the soldiers who form a crowd of heads behind the protagonists, Peter cutting the ear of the soldier, his saber still in the air raised above the heads of the crowd, the injured soldier slumped over a lantern, and the ear of the soldier in Christ's outstretched hand as he is about to heal him. Then, on folio 100, there's a virgin and child, another eight-line illumination. The Virgin sits with the child in a rose-colored bench under a green canopy against a black background, which is quite unusual. 
the composition with the Virgin facing forward and presenting the Christ child sideways on her lap recalls the enthroned Virgin and Child painted by Jean Poyer of Tours in the so-called Hours of Henry IX, the miniature which is now in the Louvre. Finally, there is folio 185, which depicts the Mass of St. Gregory, one of my favorite iconographies, and this one is actually 11 lines, so slightly larger than the preceding four miniatures. A tiny apparition of Christ emerges from a sarcophagus on the altar, surrounded by gold passion implements on a blue ground, as Gregory holds up the bread of the Eucharist. This scene is depicted within a small, carefully composed architectural border. The manuscript currently is residing at Les Enlumineurs, and it is previously unpublished and therefore unknown to the wider public. It is by one of the leading Renaissance artists in Lyon in the first third of the 16th century. Named for an illuminated entry of King Francis I in Lyon in 1515, this artist is a successor of the master Guillaume Lambert. His workshop helps define the manuscript production of Lyon during the important juncture in the city's history, when Lyon became not only the second center of the royal court, but also a thriving commercial and artistic hub in its own right. As we have just seen today, the manuscript is in fresh, clean condition with very attractive miniatures painted in a soft palette under Renaissance architectural frames, and it's housed in this lovely armorial red binding. This is a Book of Hours, a unique manuscript designed for personal prayer and devotion. It was made in Lyon, France around 1510, likely for a man who could read both French and Latin as we've seen from the text. Each manuscript book of hours is unique in one way or another, but most contain a similar collection of texts, prayers, and psalms, often with decoration for Christian devotion. This manuscript contains many of the standard prayers, but does not include quite as many unusual individual prayers or prayers to local saints as some other books of hours. However, the choir left blank at the end of the manuscript may suggest that room was left open for personal additions. The Book of Hours was an abbreviated form of the breviary, which contains the, di the divine office recited in monasteries. This type of manuscript was developed for lay people who wanted to incorporate elements of monasticism into their devotional life through ritual and recitation of text. This manuscript was illuminated in Lyon by this artist in the workshop of the master of Francis I. The Book of Hours includes a composite calendar with a feast inscribed on each day. Again, no distinctive French saints are found among the numerous saints, for example, Ursinus of Bourges, Metranus of Provence, Amador of Rocamador, etc. And there are no local saints in the litanies. The Hours of the Virgin and the Office of the Dead are for the use of Rome. Blue ink is used for the rubrics alongside red ink, and the most important feast days, interestingly, in the calendar are transcribed in blue. 
The use of blue ink in this way, as well as the vertical catchwords, became popular at the end of the 15th century throughout France. The armorial binding and armorial book plate, which was after 1724, inside of the front cover, are those of the great Languedoc bibliophile Charles de Bashi, Marquis d'Aubet, who lived from 1686 to 1777. Charles de Bashi was an author of notable works on history and geography and was a member of the academies of Nîmes and Marseille. His celebrated library composed well over 20,000 volumes by the time he reached the age of 57. Most of it is housed today in the public libraries of Aix-en-Provence and Marseille and in the Bibliothèque Nationale de France. In the 17th or 18th century, eight lines of text were written in large italic script on the blank leaf of folio 211. This reads, quote, Diva Johanna Regina Cecilia, referring to Jeanne de Laval, who was, lived from 1433 to 1498. She was queen consort of Sicily. Below that, it reads, Divi heros Francis Lilis Cusheque illustris isedont ingiter parentes ad superos iter, which is a transcription with errors of the inscription below the busts of René d'Anjou of Sicily and his wife, Jeanne de Laval, on the edifice of the castle of Tarascon, suggesting at least an affiliation with these figures in the genealogy of the original person who commissioned this manuscript. The miniatures and decoration in this book of ours are by the workshop of the master of the entry of Francis I who's named for an illuminated manuscript celebrating the entry of King Francis I in Lyon in 1515. The work of the master of the entry of Francis I can be distinguished in the simplified compositions painted in a cold palette with stocky, barrel-like figures with expressive faces. The artist in this case is set apart from others in the slightly less severe and rounded faces, executed in a rapid manner and with abundant gold highlights. The frames around the large and small miniatures are entirely characteristic of the production of the master of the entry of Francis I. So, between 1500 and 1530, the master of the entry, Francis I, was rivaled in Lyon only by one other artist, Guillaume II Leroy, a painter, illuminator, and bookseller who collaborated with this master artist and was perhaps trained in the same workshop. The rise in the production of manuscripts in Lyon at the beginning of the 16th century is paralleled most notably with the appearance of a printing press there in 1473. Commerce in Lyon also flourished with the arrival of the French court during the Italian Wars in 1494, which made Lyon the second center of the Kingdom of France and a veritable hub for the commercial and for artistic exchange. More than 30 illuminated manuscripts are now recognized as the work of the master of the entry of Francis I. In addition to 15 books of hours, including a luxurious example for Philbert de Vitry, 
the artist is credited with 10 office books, which include a missal for the Church of the Order of St. John of Rhodes. There's also a missal for the Abbey of St. Claude in Jura, the pontifical for Bishop Louis Guillard de Epchelier, and a benedictional evangelary for the use of St. Nazaire of Lyon. The master of the entry of Francis I also decorated numerous instructive, literary, and historical works, including a calendar of shepherds and a trésor de sapiens, and as well, the pas de arms de Saint-Ducœur. The color palette and the execution of the classically inspired architectural frames that surround the textual incipits and accompany the miniatures reveal the artist's training in the workshop of the Master of Alain de Mar, active in Lyon from the 1480s until the 1510s. Producing around 150 manuscripts, these generations of anonymous illuminators can be seen to dominate the production of illuminated manuscripts in Lyon from 1470 to 1530. Their continued activity is confirmed in collaborative works that document the transmission of an aesthetic, a repertoire of models, and several maker's marks that were successful in the southwest of France. The collection of Charles de Bashi was the result of numerous acquisitions, including works that belonged to an advisor of the Court of Aid of Montpellier, as well as borrowings from the archives of the royal domain deposited in Montpellier. Thus, he acquired it after 1734, and likely from the family of the man who originally commissioned this book of ours. His daughter, the Marquis de Eure, dispersed his collection after his death, which was then acquired in part by the scholar Jean-Francis Seguier, and from there it passed to the Library of Nîmes, as well as Philippe Laurent de Joubert, trustee of the province de Languedoc. Then we, meaning Les Lumières, acquired the manuscript in France in 2018, and it has lived very happily in our collection from then to the present day. So, that is the end of the life and times of this book of ours, for now, <laughs> by the workshop of the master of the entry of Francis I. I hope you're able to come and visit this manuscript yourself and add to its life story. As our podcast continues to grow, it would really help us if you could subscribe and rate this podcast in your podcasting app. You can access the podcast through any app, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. To subscribe, you just need to click the plus sign icon at the top of your podcast player. We would love to hear your thoughts about this episode's topic. Do you know something about object biography, 16th century Lyon, or Renaissance books of ours? Let us know. You can find out more about the manuscript I just discussed with you on our website, and you can reach out with comments and questions through our social media at Les Thank you so much for listening, and have a great start to November. <laughs>